Amen. And uh, on that, we'll be going over... T- tonight is, since I'm going chronologically, tonight is not a um, refutation of last week's heresy. This is a different type. Next week we'll go over two more uh, Christological heresies. And then we only have one more week after that. So we'll need to start deciding on where we want to go looking next. Or we can find some more heresies, I'm sure. But these are the big ones, especially in church history. So on that, we're going to start off. I know you see a lot on the board here. We're going to get into all that. But I just want you guys to recap for me what we've gone over. This is, yes, kind of to make sure that I'm effective enough that you remember some of the big words, but also that we're understanding what we're looking at. So uh, some of the heresies in church history, who can name some of them? Monotheism. Monotheism? What is monotheism? Is that incorrect? Polytheism. <laughs> 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 Let's make sure, again, it's not that I'm, we're laughing not at each other, but with each other because we're trying to learn this. And even, I know that's not what you mean because you've been in here and you have some great questions. One God, monotheism, that is the faith that we have. Polytheism is multiple. You're probably looking at modalism or something. So, unintentional heresies. See what I mean? Anybody? You had a chance to think while he was giving us an incorrect answer. Modalism. Modalism. What was the big umbrella that covered a lot of different views? Gnosticism. Knowledge, before we get knowledge from Gnostics, Gnosticism, covered a lot in that because of the duality, the flesh being bad and spiritual being good, and then even to the point of taking out Scripture. Remember who that was that had uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament were different, different gods, different understanding, didn't even have it in his Bible? Marcin. Not expecting you to remember all this, but I'm just trying to bring to mind these different heresies that we have gone over because they do they do matter, and we see how the church has had to battle them um, throughout throughout this entire thing. Who remembers? Yes, the modalism we had that. Um, what about that the sun was created? That God the sun was created. Remember that Arianism and the modern day equivalent of that would be. Yep, exactly. All right. I know you guys, I didn't expect to come in here and get graded today. Pop quiz. It's not my point. My point is that we are encouraging each other and sharpening each other to just to know these things so that we can give an account because you will encounter other people who are either not knowledgeable on this or are in that camp and are trying to influence you. All right, but a lot of times it's just it's innocent believers in the body who have not you know, learned more, have stopped at the milk, and have not gone on to learn more, especially in the church history, and see these, uh, these, these errors continuously be you know, brought up again and again. So today, and I hate it, man. Nobody else got to see it. I did the whole, I'm a Star Wars fan, in case you didn't know. I'm a geek. And it's in uh, Attack of the Clones when the emperor, but he's not the emperor yet, is talking to Anakin. He's like, have you ever heard the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? I was like, ooh, Darth Pelagius. I like this, the monk. So I posted that on Facebook today, and that's where we're at. So Pelagius. 
So we have Pelagianism, and uh, what we're going to see when we get to the contemporary relevance is semi-Pelagianism. Come on, you laughing at me? I love my Star Wars. Oh, it was another Mimi. Maymay. <laughs> <laughs> Maymay. So, got Pelagius, and I'm sure you're familiar with Augustine. Do you remember us discussing Augustine before? A little bit, maybe? I keep bringing them up because it's important. You remember before? So, Augustine of Hippo, he was a um, city of God. He wrote a lot of works, but he was the one that was actually a hearer in the Mani religion. So, he was supporting the vegetable eaters before. All right, this is important because we look at Pelagius. Um, we're going to see how these two had to react to each other because of their understandings of each other's beliefs and then flipping that. So, you know, I just got brief bios there of both of them. The Augustine is one that you've had on another paper, but since he is a prominent uh, opponent of Pelagius, I had to put him on here again. And because of how Pelagius is going to form his ideas is based off of the belief that Augustine came out of. We even see that he... Uh, he condemned the, the Manachian heresy, so he was very much against Manny and his followers, and so a lot of what he was writing and came out of against was that. So, of course, when Augustine starts countering him now, he's right off the bat like, wait a minute, you're one of them. And I talked to another brother recently. I've heard it before, but a lot of people uh, dismiss Calvinism because Augustine had a lot of these doctrines of grace in the early forms. And since he was a follower of Manny, they're like, oh, so we can't believe anything he says. And that's uh, basically what we call throwing out the baby with the bathwater type of a syndrome. So we're going to look at some of what Pelagius' beliefs were in the orthodoxy. Who remembers what orthodox means? Right thinking. Right thinking? Exactly. That's the literal meaning of it. It's right thinking. We call it orthodox, which we understand is the, the truths of our faith that have been defended, what we've summarized, have come to accept as right thinking, orthodox. All right, some of Pelagius' orthodox beliefs, the Trinity. What is an orthodox understanding of the Trinity? <laughs> I know you're all having flashbacks. I got called a heretic twice today. Three persons... So not the different hats, right? This is where we had all those modalism, partialism, Arianism. All right. I'm not going to put a name there because the creeds and the councils did a much better job of defining that and we're able to see what it's not better than what it is a lot of times. So orthodox position. Pelagius held to an orthodox understanding of the Trinity. What about Christ? What are some of the orthodox positions of Christ? Who is Christ? Son of God. Son of God. So one of the three persons of the Godhead, right? So he was created is a heresy, all right? And the orthodox, eternal. What about the nature? So he's 200%. (laughs) 
we're laughing, but you see how a honest explanation is still like, but now I have to have you explain that more. So he's 200%. All right. That's why I like truly man and truly God, just because it avoids smart Alex like me saying, oh, he's 200%. All right. So, and we understand percentages. So it's like, yes, you know, 9,000 power or whatever that is. So Pelagius had a orthodox understanding of Christ. Divinity, humanity, absolutely, no problem. Scripture. And we're going to see that this is where a lot of it starts coming into, yes, you can have a high view of Scripture and still be wrong. All right, so here's the orthodox view of Scripture. Here's a heretical view of Scripture, but both of them have a high view of Scripture. All right, he had a high view of Scripture. In fact, like I said, we're going to get into, when he went to Rome, some of the problems he had because of how he understood Scripture. What are some of the heretical views of Scripture? We name one who, I say, I didn't realize I fell into that camp. Right, Old Testament and New Testament are two completely different books about two different gods written for different peoples. All right. What are some other heresies about Scripture? That Scripture contradicts itself or it's wrong. Well, that's what some people say. I would know. It's Her- uh, not complete, like the Mormons added. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, they added more. Or there was a lot of people that were just taking particular parts of it and creating their own Bible. Like, uh, what, what do you call it? Like the Jehovah's Witness, and they're saying, like, in the word was a God. Mm-hmm. Modified it, change it. Exactly. So, where we understand that translations are going to vary, the fact that God preserves his word and that's why the original languages are an important thing and there are some even even today that we have no this is the only translation that you can use to get the true word of God from that's very unbiblical and unchristian like to say no you got saved from the new living translation so you're not really saved hang on let's do this all over again with my King James here all right and on the flip side we have some people that use the other school of uh, translations that came down to it but is the word of God written by men? The scripture written by men? Yes. <laughs> so we've got to caveat that answer, huh? Does it have errors? No. All right, so again, he had a orthodox understanding of that. Uh, what about holiness and sin? I don't expect you to have answers to this, but I do want you to start thinking. So an orthodox understanding of holiness. Who's holy? God. Anybody else holy? No. No? Mm-hmm. So what is sin? What is sin? She's like, oh no, I haven't been asked this one in a long time. <laughs> Yeah, it goes against God. It's rebellion against God. It's disobeying God and His commands. It's sin. Holiness and sin are definitely not the same thing. But we're going to see in His understanding of how this holiness and sin share a relationship. And this is where He starts getting into this uh, uh, heresy that He's going to create there. And then uh, salvation. What are some heretical views of salvation? 
lose your salvation. You said you can lose your salvation? I'm put that over there. Sorry. I'm writing wonky there. What? See, other than throwing the eternal, I'm avoiding describing it in the Orthodox because it's easier to tell what it's not than explaining what it is. And I'm going to refer you to councils, creeds, confessions, and then we can look at a summarization of some systematic theologies to get a better understanding. Oh, Patrick, I'm not doing that. <laughs> now for the really boring part, though, some history to why this was a problem. If he had all these Orthodox understandings, why are we studying him as a heretic today? Okay, and in the early church, there was these two understandings that were uh, apparent paradox that people were trying to reconcile. And this is from the Know the Heretics book, the way he's worded them here. Humanity has fallen and requires divine help for salvation. I agree with that. Humans have a will and are responsible for their sin. I agree with that. How do those work? Right? Sovereignty. And free will, how do those work together? There's a comic I like called Foxtrot. I don't know if you guys ever read the Foxtrot. <clears throat> and the two nerds, the son and his friend, are playing football. And he's like, you know, go deep. He's like, how do we reconcile the sovereignty of God with man's free will as it pertains to our life? No, no, that's too deep. Okay. You know, how did Han Solo, when he got to... <laughs> no, yeah, they're not playing football, they're playing trivia. But anyways, I was like... That's an awesome question in a comic here. Like, wow, I'm not supposed to be thinking about theological things in a comic, but. Yeah, it was great. Okay, so that's a apparent paradox that people try to reconcile. And here's some other phrases we're going to look at here. Um, just as we're going on, imputation. Who knows what imputation means? Well, I like that he was going with the imputation means to be imputed. Like that's, yes. it's like on, like that's my answer. <laughs> so you're basically you're owning something that's not yours. You're taking possession of, putting on, being covered by this thing. We use imputation in three areas. All right, that Adam's sin is imputed to all of mankind. That the sin of God's people has been imputed to Christ. And then the righteousness of Christ is imputed to God's people. All right, those are three areas, orthodox positions of imputation. I bring this up because this is going to be at stake in Pelagius' understanding here in a minute. What about substitutionary atonement? These are big words, I get it. But they are theological phrases that in your walk you should know. What does substitution mean? All right, we get that all the time when we make an order. You have substitutions in your cart. What's atonement? In this context, I understand that would be one, a, a cleansing, atoning, making right. All right, so this is a substitution for somebody. This atonement is being done by somebody else. All right, 
It's another important fact when we're going to look at Pelagius here. So these are orthodox positions. Imputation, it's an orthodox position. And those three areas, what are the three areas of imputation? Adam imputed his sin onto man. Everyone. And I specifically phrase that, though, the sins of God's people to Christ and then Christ's righteousness to God's people. Again, I'm specifically doing that because I'm trying to walk away from some of the heresies, too, and people, you're going to step into universalism. Or even some like, yes, the atonement is for all, but it's not effective for all. And we get into more conversation like that, so I'm just going to stick with God's people, and you can argue that amongst yourselves. All right, what about justification? Declared righteous. Legal term. Legal term? Like what God, like, uh, Jesus was the justification for us? Like he... Well, just in a simple term, just justification in, in itself. It is a legal term, but you're late for school and now you're getting detention. Do you drive? No. Nope, so you're going to try to say, well, it's my parents' fault, wouldn't you? I, I love that he didn't answer that verbally. He nodded. <laughs> like, you're recording. No, thank you. There's a justification. So we use that in simple terms. We're trying to justify actions. But yes, it's to be made right, right standing before, in, in a legal sense, and specifically in the holiness of our holy God, being justified is without sin. Again, that's important because what we're going to get into with Pelagius here. I'm going to take off these... So the historical climate in Rome, and this was a theory that I had before actually reading more history, and it just validated my understanding looking at the, uh, the Europe culture and the kingdoms and who had a lot of money in that area at the time, the church. Well, how do you get money to build your army up? You side with the church. Well, how do you do that? I'm a Christian now. All right? So it's... it's baffling, but to claim the name of Christ would get you persecuted in the early church. And then the times change, and that's now a benefit, being called a Christian. In history, not in standing with God, in history, in humanity, in in the world. So they would take on this name of Christ. I'm a Christian now. Everybody's a Christian. We're all Christians. We're a Christian nation. But they were not living that way. So Pelagius had a problem with this. The morality of Christians, all right, the saints should be living according to God's commands, and uh, he wanted to stress a piety over laziness, is what he considered, and we'll get into why he thought that. Sounds like today. Oh, we're getting right into that, but then it's, it's even, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. It's weird that yes, but then they're embracing Pelagianism in a semi form at the same time, but. Um, but then he started getting a little bit more philosophical. And we discussed this during a confession class, but uh, he says that God would not command what is not possible to be accomplished. All right. So if your salvation is dependent on you living a holy life, God would not tell you that. Do this unless you were able to. And that's where you get people. It's not fair. All right. Get into these kind of discussions and arguments. But then I put the two extremes here. Fatalism. Who knows what fatalism is? Everything. 
close, but not necessarily all going to burn. This is where we get into some of, like for today... Hyper-Calvinism. Yes, my writing is atrocious. Do not uh, take my example in writing there. All right, fatalism. Everything has been decree, which I agree with God's decree, the decree of God and God's providence, but the extreme is everything has already been ordained. You're sitting right there. You just nodded at me because God made you nod. You have no control. You are robotic. Everything is ordained, orchestrated, and we are just playing out the part as we are puppeted. All right, fatalism. That's one extreme. The other is this independent free will in actions. All right, so everything is independent of another source. Nothing is directing your thoughts, your actions, your will, your desires. All right which I loved the uh, class we did go over on that. You're predisposed to do certain things because you have a, I don't like being hot, so I'm going to go near an air vent where the, air C is on, the AC is on. I have let something outside source determine my decision. So yes, everything does determine your decisions as opposed to nothing. So, but those two extremes are fatalism, and then I'm in complete control outside of any influence of divine or otherwise. All right, but yay me. All right, why bother and yay me? All right, and he took issue, again, Pelagius, with Augustine. One, he's coming from the Manny religion, so you're helping people free God from cucumbers. I already don't like that. He wrote against that in his defense of orthodoxy. And now here's Augustine as a Christian, and he is, you know, writing awesome doctrine, awesome uh, books and helps to the church. But he had a problem with uh, one thing that Augustine wrote there that I have no hope at all, but in your great mercy, speaking to God, command what you will and give what you command. And Pelagius took this as being lazy. All right. Another thing of fatalism is, you know, oh, I'm, it's, I'm just a human. It's not my fault. All right. So I'm trying to reconcile these things. So in assuming one person's position as an extreme, Pelagius then took the opposite extreme. Instead of coming to a better way of reconciling these two truths, he went to the extreme. You guys are at one extreme, I'm going to the other extreme. You know, If you're not for me, you're against me, instead of actually trying to look at this, which we see often in these unintentional heresies. All right, and this is from... Um, I have there, yeah. Uh, it's a Pelagius letter to Demetrius. He writes, In fact, we act like lazy and insolent servants, talking back to our Lord in a contemptuous and slovenly way. That is too hard, too difficult. We cannot do that. We are only human. Our flesh is weak. What insane stupidity. What impious arrogance. We accuse the Lord of all knowledge of being doubly ignorant. We assert that he does not understand what he made and does not realize what he commands. The just one did not choose to command the impossible, nor did the loving one plan to condemn a person for what he could not avoid. He had me going until the last parts there. As you said, even today we say there is this laziness in Christianity. This is what he was observing in the culture. You're claiming to be Christian, but you're living like the world. All right, so in his mind, then you are able to live righteously. He just put the ability on the wrong person. 
right. So, are you able to live according to God's laws? I do have on the last page uh, before your notes, though, the uh, free will section from the confession, which I think does a great job. But this is from, I remember the book now, it was Sproul's book. Um, Chosen. Chosen. All right, and I, I love this understanding here, though. But we have the four states of man, okay? The state of innocence, that's creation, that's Adam and Eve, all right? They had the ability to sin, and they had the ability to not sin, okay? Then the rebellion, the fall. And I, I read somewhere that uh, speaking of the fall of man as if he fell out of bed is wrong. It's more like he fell from the sky crashing into the earth and being ob- obliterated. I'm like that's actually a more uh, descriptive understanding of the fall. But in the fall, able to sin and unable to not sin. Okay, This is going to be important because here's where Pelagius is going to start. Like, nah, 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 not happening. In the state of grace... Right. You're able to sin and able to not sin. By God's grace, you said, not of your own power. This is where he's really starting to get into this misunderstanding. Yes, we should be pious. Yes, we should live godly lives. But it's because of God and not because of our actions. All right, In the state of glory, you're unable to sin and able to not sin. That's all that there is. There is just no sinning. Okay, I, I know that Spro's chart does a better job, but I just wanted to get a little quick blurb up there because I ran out of space with my big typos and such. But he had this issue with, that's why we looked up, imputation, this original sin. To Pelagius, there was no original sin. All right, he wanted to avoid the error of Manny and his followers, which was spirit good, Flesh bad. Okay, so if you're now born and you're under sin, all right, to him that read too much like manichaeism. So he's trying to, again, not intending to step into heresy. If you're saying that we're born sinful, that sounds too much like the flesh is bad. I'm going to go away with that. So, he adopts this understanding that we call a clean slate. Right, God did not create human nature as evil, which we see that, you know, it was good. So to him, humanity is not created evil, wicked, bad, in sin. He's ignoring Adam's imputed sin to his posterity. And again, he admitted, why punish me for someone else's sin? Adam was just an example for humanity. And each person is born with a clean slate. So whereas the orthodox understanding is everyone is born that's the charge against everyone who's born. And alright so this is where that idea of, of innocence is a real big misunderstanding everybody wants to believe 
that no, this child was just born. They could not have done any wrong yet. They don't have the ability to sin. Correct. If you want to go that route, correct. They, they, they're crying and pooping themselves and, all right, condemning Adam. All right, Pelagius, no, that's too much like Manichaeism, trying to do away with that. So literally, that's how you're born. All right. So now you grow up. Uh-oh, now you lied. Uh-oh. All right, so now these are being added to you. So it gets kind of crazy there because you're earning your salvation. All right? You start out with a clean slate, so you can be saved without any outside help. So that does away with, he took out the imputation already. There is no imputed sin to you. You're a clean slate. All right, and now, well, if you have the ability to not add anything to your slate, right? And then this justification. So, how are you justified? How are we justified? How do you know that? Through faith. Oh. 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 <laughs> I'm not a heretic. <laughs> I didn't say that, bro. Slow down. We're not done with the class yet. <laughs> All right. But we're justified through faith, by faith, in what you said. Absolutely. Not according to Pelagian. Okay? This is what he's trying to reconcile. Faith is implying God's responsible for it all. So how do you have responsibility for your own actions if God's responsible for it all? So now we've got to go to works then. Okay, but if it's all works and you're only responsible, then where is God in this? So this is that tension that we as Christians should struggle with because we do believe in the sovereignty of God, but you are not excused of your actions. But we understand that there is God's decree. We understand that through His divine providence, things have been ordained. However, we are still responsible for these choices that we make. That's why that free will, I hate this libertine idea of free will. I can act independent of any influences. No, you can't. You're acting according to your nature. All right, but faith versus works. So, Pelagius takes out, and, and again, this is terrible, his orthodox understanding of the Trinity, his orthodox understanding of Christ, of Scripture. He had an orthodox understanding of many of the positions of the early church uh, councils, creeds, and what they believed, all right, true faith. And then he's taken out one of the most beautiful parts of this. Now, we are looking at justification. We look at adoption. None of that is in his philosophy at all because all that stuff is taken out. All right, man's justified by his actions of obedience to God. And uh, Pelagius had these, uh, under the free will there, there were three uh, elements. Ability, will, and act. Okay, in his understanding, when we are created, God gives us the ability to will and act. 
Okay, so we have the ability and a clean slate to earn our righteousness. Okay, you understand why this is a problem. But his intention was these people who are claiming to be followers of Christ are not living like that. So I need to correct them. All right, now you just took away all the glory from God because it's now on men. There's no, so if there's no imputed sin to the fallen world, then there's no imputed righteousness. So you're taking out all the work of Christ. You're taking out the person of Christ. Unnecessary. There's no substitutionary atonement. All right, there is no justification by faith. So just see the orthodox position comes crashing down. And just so I can uh, just throw in this little tidbit there, a lot of people attribute the doctrines of grace to Calvin, John Calvin. One, he never came up with that. That title came afterwards. And two, you read these writings and doctrines a lot earlier in the church. All right, even if not fleshed out until many centuries later, you start seeing these doctrines coming out early in the church. And this leads us to the grace part. So what we call the five solas. You know what the five solas are? But let's pretend that I'm not Latin. Uh, by faith alone. I don't know, I'm in order. Doesn't have to be in order. Uh, in Christ alone. Scripture alone. I said Star Wars, man. It's a cool name. All right. Faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, through grace alone, all glory to God alone. All right. This is what they call the five solas. But they work hand in hand. There is no, again, that you can't pull one because that's what people, well, if you pull one, they all fall. Okay, well, how is glory to God alone a bad thing? All right. Scripture says, I will not share my glory with anyone else. So right there, we can start looking at scriptural support for that. But grace, well, okay, you already had yes, you have to have faith, but not as you mean it. So that's okay. He has an orthodox understanding of Christ. He has an orthodoxy understanding of scripture, again, where he's incorrectly understanding it in some points. But he's taking this part out too. And the grace, though, is this ability to act and will. So that's where grace comes in. Grace is not what gives you, you know, all these tools. Well, yes, in, in his view, grace gives you the tools to do what's necessary. But in a scriptural orthodox understanding, is grace is what's giving you this, the faith. Oh, it's justifying. Everything is grace. Okay, not just this ability and then everything else is on you. So it's not a sharing with grace. It is all grace. That's why the, the solas, grace alone. Not grace and my ability that I got from grace. With Pelagius, is there a way to reverse the, or not? Like, if you're doing bad things, what happens if you have too many? Like, can you go back on the bad things? If, does he believe that? that he, like, if it's works based, if you're doing bad works, can you reverse those bad works? For salvation? What happens? Like, is there a limit? Once you cross a certain line? Do not the bad. Yeah. What does it sound like? Catholicism. We'll get right back to that. Somebody read Philippians 2.12. <laughs> 
Was that a pretty good quick drawing of a scale there? Yeah. All right. It worked. <laughs> Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out yourself at your own salvation with fear and trembling. So work for your own salvation. Is that what it says? Work towards your own salvation? What does this mean then, to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling? It's saying to work for your salvation, right? No? I agree with you. In context, if you especially read the entire letter, or if you read any other parts of Scripture, you'll see that that's not what it is saying. And even, I brought it up before, but people say that uh, Paul and James were in opposition. The one was saying faith alone, the other was saying works. I'm like, no, they're both saying the same thing. That it is faith that is now going to allow you to do these works, or it is these works that are showing that's the fruit of your faith. So they do work together, but it's faith. Okay? I just like this Philippians, though. Yes, work out your, your salvation all right, with fear and trembling. This is, again, going to that reverence of God. Not this, uh-oh, I better add more good because I know I did a bad thing last time. You said Catholicism. That goes into our contemporary examples, though. And I had a question today, which was awesome. I got a text message. And I was like, we're actually going over Pelagius today, so this fits right into it. Um, but uh, I don't have him on there because it was a last-minute discussion. Okay. Very... Uh, Orthodox in some areas. This is it. Was it 1400s, 1500s? Um, much later, uh, theologian. Um, he agreed with a lot of Augustine's writings, but he had very semi-Pelagian leaning. Okay, and uh, what they they call it now. That's an O. <laughs> I'm glad that I can type all of my schoolwork because I would fail worse than I am. That's an H. Thomas, Thomasism, Tom, Thomism. Sorry. <laughs> I'm writing it in the original language now of Klingon. Thomism. It's essentially the doctrines of Aquinas. Aquinas. I like Aquinas. It sounds more like... Anyways. But this is actually the accepted majority position of the, the Catholic Church today. Yes. All right, a lot of us, we won't get into all the doctrine that that pertains to, um, but it, it is essentially that works salvation. T H O M I S. And again, the, the biggest thing to take away from this, though, Thank you. 
trying to reconcile those two things. They are putting free will over God's sovereignty. Okay, this is just what it is. And contemporary examples. You mentioned the Catholic Church. Uh, earlier you mentioned that sounds like Christianity today with the laziness and stuff. While I agree, we have in our own region other big names. Anybody familiar with that name? I heard you heard me say it before? <laughs> I probably spelt it wrong then too, though. <laughs> but it's just another name, and a lot of revivalism. Okay? But is it God who's getting the glory? Is it God who you're trusting, or is this your actions? All right? What are some other examples today? Could everybody bow your head and close your eyes? Oh, wow, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> not falling for it. <laughs> Say this prayer and really mean it. What scriptures say? Believe. But we're trying to reconcile. We're trying to... There has to be my responsibility in it somehow. Right? How do you reconcile that? What is your responsibility in your salvation? Oh, I've talked to some of you and gotten your testimonies before. You had to accept it, right? The gift was given to you and you had to take it and open up the gift in order for it to be applied, right? No? You've heard that one before? And I'm not saying this to demean some people because there are some some really well-meaning, godly people that just have a misunderstanding of this. You're taking away that glory of God and putting it onto yourself and God will not share His glory with anyone. Easy believism. Are these revivals? Like I say, it's very, very rampant in the church today. All right, we're going to have a revival this weekend, and our goal is 10,000 souls saved and 20,000 baptisms. Altar calls. In itself, is that a bad thing, though? Calling somebody to the altar to confess before God? But to what end? Emotional. Emotionalism. I just got a, I don't know why I got the notification today, but there's a new Hillsong album. It's like, we thought you might like this. I'm like, what have I listened to? <laughs> because if it's not in the Christian realm, it's definitely a little bit more uh, heavy metal than uh, Hillsong anyways. But I'm like, I don't, I don't understand this. But, well, you're a Christian. You follow these Christian pages. You might be interested in this. Yes, I'm a Christian. <laughs> why am I getting this again? And again, that's not to... Just broad stroke everybody over there. There are some that are just caught up in the wrong thing of that emotionalism. All right, yes, God is good, and I feel good, so it must be good. Are you glorifying God? Pelagius had a pious view that we should be able to live a certain way for God. 
but then he took the glory from God and trying to apply it to man's actions in your salvation, in your sanctification. So grace is not needed for sanctification if you're able to do this on your own, right? You were given, the grace was that you were given the ability to do this. No, no, it is the grace that I'm doing this through. All right, and like I said, I've got the free will from the chapter there, uh, of the 1689. And in a, Paragraph 3, humanity, by falling into a state of sin, has completely lost all ability to choose any spiritual good that accompanies salvation. All right, and that's coming from Romans, both the proof text. Thus, people in their natural state are absolutely opposed to spiritual good and dead in sin. So they cannot convert themselves by their own strength or prepare themselves for conversion. I love the confession wording it that way because Pelagianism and semi-Pelagianism is... Even those who are saying, no, yes, it is God, but you have to come to this point, and then God can do the rest. All right? I hate picturing a God over here that's begging, come on, you can do it. You're almost there, come on. And that's what I don't like about some of the altar calls. Jesus is being presented as crying out for you to come to him, and you're just, oh, I couldn't do it. All right? Instead of, no, come here, my people. I'm sorry, that's the image I have. Adoption again is like, oh, I really wanted to adopt these kids, but they didn't like me. I mean, maybe me, they saw me, but I'm (laughs) saying, but the idea of adoption. All right, so, and we can joke, but the well intention that leads into the heresies, and then this is, again, fifth century that pops up again a thousand years later, pops up again another thousand years later. Right, and I would say that majority, and this is just me throwing numbers out there without any actual proof, though the majority of evangelical churches don't have a proper and right understanding of, of this. They're trying their best to reconcile things, but they are erring in the side of what has already been dubbed as heresy. All right. What other points do we have on uh, Pelagianism today? Anything else you can think of? Why is it a bad thing to put responsibility on man for his actions? Is it a bad thing? Yes, it is a bad thing, and it's because you're uh, you're not giving, like you said, you're not giving the glory to God alone. On it's like the scripture says, by faith you have been saved. It is not your own doing; it is a gift from God, not a result of works, so that no man may boast. Look at this kid over here, man. Where's that from? You threw the scripture out there. Where's that from? I learned it in. I learned it. Um, uh huh. But where's it from? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Chapter and verse, my dude. Oh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> See, <you. laughs> It's okay that he doesn't know that. You heard what he said. That is a biblical truth. The other way you could have answered that is like, Paul, somewhere it is written. (laughs) Somewhere it is written. Have you not read? (laughs) Are you responsible for your actions? Yes. 
Did God decree all that will take place? Yes. You didn't answer that one. <laughs> Are you supposed to reconcile those in your walk with Christ? If you can, I'm, I want to hear it. <laughs> yes, if you get that reconciled, I'm going to call you a liar. <laughs> um, and again, I say this week, because of the chronological, we had the Christological heresies, but then with uh, Pelagian and what he came up with because of what he saw in Rome, next week we'll go back into some Christological heresies on the natures of Christ and two guys trying to battle the previous heresy and, and making up their own heresies. The thing with that is Pelagius wasn't trying to be a heretic. He was trying to reconcile human responsibility with God's sovereignty. Yep. I mean, there were, there were antinomians. That, <laughs> yes. And Rome, the, the holy city. <laughs> they were like, whoa. That's why I say so. It's crazy that his his doctrines helped actually perpetuate that mentality even more. So, and I, I say that because just knowing how I grew up, yes, this is wrong. But as long as I do enough good, I'm okay doing this. So there is no piety still. It's just making sure those scales weigh out. Yes, I know this is bad. But Stay away from the moral you're good. Yes, exactly. As long as I'm doing this, I'm okay. So that leads to a unrighteous living again. But you know, when you start looking at semi Pelagianism, you start seeing, if you look down historically, you start seeing romanticism where nature is good and our natural state is good. Um, and, and you start um, even understanding, you know, as, as you were just pointing out, Arminianism, it's my choice, prevenient grace. You, you start seeing all of those things just working themselves out. But if you go with Augustine, then you can go determinism, fatalism. It doesn't matter what I do. It's all it's all predetermined, so I can do whatever it happens, whatever. And you can become a primitive Baptist here in, in North Carolina. So if you guys drive by the primitive Baptist signs, they, they don't have bones through their nose. That's what I used to think. <laughs> I thought, they, so, I thought they did some weird stuff in there, but it's basically they're hyper Calvinists and they, yep, they, they're dying out. Glad you brought up uh, Arminius. I forgot to include this as well, but when we went over the uh, confession class, I was very clear. We have brothers, they are brothers that lean to an Arminian understanding. And I, I know that Ar- Justin was ruled a heretic after his death, not during his life. It was when he was no longer able to, to give a defense in the Heidelberg uh, meetings and such, uh, or Canons of Dort and, and et cetera. But his understanding of these doctrines are directly from here. So that's why to them, if Pelagius was already condemned as a heretic, these beliefs were heretical, then Arminian just rehashing them in a newer form is also heretical. Right. But he didn't have this complete disregard for God's grace and God's movement in this clean slate. However, it was still a works-based and putting more opus on man than God's sovereignty. So I say they're wrong, but I will not call a brother who believes that as a, as a heretic. He is leaning into some heretical understandings, but that does not make them a heretic. 
So I got to be very clear on that because I have had brothers that will want to fight over that. I think most of us start off as our main. Well, even some of the songs that I I don't like singing some, I have decided to follow Jesus. All right. The twitching God's sovereignty in me says no, but no. Pick up your cross and follow me daily. Right? That is a decision that you are making. All right. You can decide I'm gonna sin and spit in the face of God. All right. Oh, I took it down there, but in your state of grace, you have the ability to sin and not sin. So there is decisions to be made. So while I make fun of that song in its context of I'm going to go and choose to be saved by God. No, there is this understanding of your responsibility for your decisions. Well, like I said, that's how most of us start. I didn't even know it was a thing, but I was like, well, of course. I said this prayer. I came to this point here where God was now able to do his saving. All right. It's just, it's our understanding. It's our human nature, our understanding of how things work, but we don't have that divine knowledge. So this is what it looks like to us. Yes, I came to this place of my own free will and chose to do this and now I'm getting this blessing from doing the right thing from God. All right, that's just how we picture it. That's not right. But then we, even when we start living, we, we function like that a lot of times when we start even thinking, when things aren't going our way, then we're like, well, I need to do X, Y, Z. What, what, what did I do? You know, how do I fix it? How do I fix it? Yeah. <laughs> And with Arminianism, they're like, if you can choose God, then you can unlike him or unfriend him. That's, you know, that's the problem with it. There's no assurance with that. There, there's none. It's sad, actually. There was a... Uh, <clears throat> I passed another church sign today and I've, I've talked to John about it before this, I don't, this church is crazy like you know tired of sunburn go under the sun Like I, that doesn't make any sense to me I see you're trying to do a play on words here but it still doesn't make any sense or our God's got a big eraser okay I still don't understand this but today was something about you know things aren't going your, your way just say a prayer like, again, I understand what you're trying to do, but tell that to those who are martyred, you know? Yeah. Blah, 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 just come to church. I'll take that one. I'll take that one. Blah, 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 literally, blah, 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 just come to church. Unless you remember me, that's all they were going for. I, I prefer scripture so I know what you're teaching, but they try to, yeah, we need to appeal to, you know, somebody's sense of humor, which, again, I like sense of humor, but like, that doesn't make any sense. Or now you're, you're putting a message out there, and I don't have the context. Maybe your congregation knows what you mean by this. I don't, so I'm driving past like, these guys are out of their mind. So. I think I've seen what it says, do you have sunscreen? <laughs> what is it? Yes, uh. 
Uh, prayer is email to God. Then I'm like, well, then my prayers are going to spam because none of them get answered here. So I'm like, no, that's not. Yeah. But we have these cute understandings of God, and it makes us feel, yes, this is what's happening. No, that's one, it's taking away from the reverence we should have for this holy God. And again, yes, Pelagius wanted the piety, and we should too, but. <laughs> Anybody have anything else or any other questions? Then? I just have a question as far as, like, as you said, any of these, that wasn't their goal was right. to be labeled a heretic. But as they, were, as they were labeled heretics, is there a record of many changing or like going back and Oh, these who were condemned? None. I wouldn't say none because some, well, even even the defenders. Uh, Augustine was a defender of the faith, but where he came from, and then where he ended up later in his life, a lot of people went back to some, not went back to, but got into some crazy uh, theologies that at the time weren't bad. But then we see another century. Like, whoa, he was in what? Okay, didn't look like that at the time. So, but some uh, would take. Uh, uh, Arian and his the son was created. They tried to get him to step up on. Here's what you believe. No, we believe this. Okay, you're orthodox, using word games and stuff. So even when they were tried to be called to account on it, they played the game of, I am like you. I said the same things as you. Whereas uh, again, uh, a Mormon. Yes, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You know, okay, well now you're being called out on that more. And no, they unfortunately would continue in with that defense. Uh, some. Just really, you know, yes, this is what we're going to hold to because I refuse to change on this. This is how I see the scriptures. And again, whether that's, you know, good or bad, they were uh, condemned as heretics, a lot of them. Not to the, we're going to burn them to a state kind that you see later on, but, you know, we do get that. I see even Arminius, when they brought him and like, ah, we, we can't call him a heretic here just based off of this. You know, he defended himself. He showed what he believed. Oh, he's dead. Yeah, heretic. You know, so and that's kind of how that went. But no, I think that uh, some of them, the more malicious ones like Manny, and that's why you see those ideas that aren't so much around anymore in that form. Um, but these other ones are scary because they have. But Pelagianism has—it's like I say—it's running everywhere today. Arianism—it's a giant religion that's uh, you know getting more people into that cult. So. And I think from their perspective, like Pelagius would look at Augustine and say, you're the heretic. Yes. You came from Manichaeism, and this is what you're saying, so I'm not going to trust you. Especially when the biggest opponent of Pelagius was Augustine. So I'm sure that was, a, you know, Cardi pulled out often over again, hey, how's Manny doing today? You know, how many people are you feeding to eat the cucumbers and... You know, that's exactly what I would have went to if it was an opponent of mine. I would have used that misunderstanding. But again, that's looking at somebody who's come from a cultic background now and is following God as best as they can according to Scripture. You can't bring up that past. And we just try to correct and encourage each other. What's interesting is that Pelagius was railing against the ungodliness in Rome. And then in 1500, you get Luther railing against the ungodliness in Rome. But two different... 
Yeah. Tracks. It was at uh, Huss before him, and yeah, it's like there's. Yeah, uh, again, a desire. And we'd look at Luther and like, hey, hey, Luther, what, what's this writing you got against, you know, the Jewish people here? You know, it's, yeah, it's kind of unbecoming of a Christian, but so, you know, who is without sin? Throw that first stone. However, you're wrong in a lot of other areas, too. <laughs> so, yeah. hindsight. But yeah, I don't know if that really answered it. That's sadly, yeah. Now, there are some minor cases, but because they were reconciled, you're not going to see that. Here's a person who is committing these heresies against the church beliefs, and they're confronted on it, and there's repentance and a reconciliation, so we don't really see that part. That's, I guess maybe that is good, so that, that glory is just all given to God and that uh, brother returning. But. At a certain point, though, there's a, a level of pride that would have kept them mm. from I mean, we're prideful creatures anyway, but I mean, yeah, then once you actually go through the trouble to write all these papers and you defend it many times books and you got a bunch of people listening and your name's real big and everybody knows who you are, to turn around and say, oh, yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's a little, little hard. <laughs> Don't let the pride of Killianism creep up on you there. <laughs> We won't let you get that big. <laughs> Actually, I coined that phrase, so much like some of the heretics, <laughs> they, they were named after somebody else. I want to see you spell it. Ah, the board's already been cleaned. <laughs> Q-U-R-T. <laughs> no, there are some, and again, I'd hate that too, uh, like, oh, this heresy is named after you, but you were the one who was fighting against the heresy. But anybody who doesn't study that's going to think that you were the heretic. But like, in ah. your defense and in my defense, our spelling goes back before the 1500s where it was standardized. Yes, that's the standardized. That's what it was standardized. That's how it used to. That's how they used to spell it. <laughs> like, are you sure, Jim? Some of those weren't even real characters. I'm like, yeah. Paper graphs. Well, I appreciate it. Anything else? Any final? Ah, thank you all. Somebody want to close us in prayer?